When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Marisa and Nathan Baird. Stephen Means remains on vacation. He'll be back soon. You know who's back? The Ohio State Buckeyes. Preseason practice number one in the books on Thursday. So we're going to talk a lot about that. We didn't get to go to it, but we talked to Ryan Day on a Zoom call. Thursday afternoon. We're bringing you this Thursday podcast later on Thursday. The schedule's all out of whack a little bit this week. We normally have to drop it in the morning, but we're late because there's like news happening, news constantly happening. So this podcast is mostly going to be us informing you of what we learned about Ohio State's first practice, even though we weren't there. We talked to Ryan Day about it, but we're going to lead with a question that Ryan Day got. Nathan and I had talked about it should be asked. How would we, how might it be asked? We, neither of us asked it because we were asking about other things we wanted to write about. Mark Schlebaugh came in and asked Ryan Day about it, and he did not answer it. He gave it no comment. But this is the issue. A reported dust-up between Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh. And the, the full report of this came from Bucknuts. And I don't want to steal people's proprietary information. How, Nathan, how do you think I would feel if somebody just came in and like gave away the results of our chain restaurant voting, I'd be mad, right? You'd be apoplectic. I mean, like that's my Applebee's poplectic. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. I like <laughs> to get those on like a sampler platter with the uh, mozzarella sticks and the potato skins. Some, a couple of apoplectics also. Yep. Easily. One of my favorite lines in the history of TV. I, I like when, when Nathan and I talk about like, uh, TV that old white men like. <laughs> there was a line. I didn't really watch Frasier. Did you watch Frasier when you I was pretty young, so I, I don't yeah. think it really connected with me. But it was I'm like, not that much younger than you, but you know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah. I would have appreciated it more at my age now. So there was a line. I, I didn't watch the show, but I remember this line. Like Woody from Cheers was, was a, making a cameo on Frasier and was visiting Frasier and his brother in Seattle. And Frasier's brother, Niles, said, um, they said, like, do you, we're ordering some pizzas. Do you want to stay and hang out? And Niles said, I'll have pizza with a couple of rapscallions. And Woody said, well, can we get half rapscallions, half just cheese? 
Which, Woody, Woody Boyd is amazing. People who like people like now who know who Woody Harrelson is from like the um, Hunger Games franchise and and the zombie movies stuff like that. Like his Woody Boyd stuff was was phenomenal. He had for someone who grew up in like East Central Illinois and spent a lot of time in Western Indiana. He had a, a line on Cheers where it was like they were t- I don't know what they were talking about context, but he said, "Yeah, my my uncle so and so." tried to move to the big city, but Terre Haute just chewed him up and spit him out. That always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, we're going to talk a lot of Frasier on this podcast. Okay, here's the deal. Mostly Frasier, a little cheers, but mostly Frasier. So a couple, Daphne Moon. a couple apoplectics. So I texted Biddle, Dave Biddle, who reported this on Bucknuts. Ryan Day was asked about it by Mark Schleybaugh from ESPN. Ryan Day said, I appreciate the question, but I'd rather not answer that. I don't want to talk about something that somebody reported on their own site behind a paywall because that's their stuff for their subscribers. So I asked Biddle and he said, it's cool. So this is credit. I know the original report came from a message board on Buckeye scoop. I just want to make sure people aren't trying to think we're trying to steal this, but it's out there now it's gotten out there into the college football universe. But I'm going to read Dave Biddle's post, which, again, was behind a paywall, but has been screenshot by some people and put on the Internet. And, again, this is done. Dave Biddle said it's cool, so we appreciate Dave Biddle's reporting. And, again, we want to make sure we're giving people – we're giving Bucknuts credit for this. There was a Big Ten coaches call this week. Ryan Day was talking. Jim Harbaugh interrupted him to say that Ohio State was violating the rules by having on-field instruction – and drills, which are not permitted until you officially start preseason camp. This was while it was still the walkthrough phase. Harbaugh brought up Al Washington by name. Al Washington, of course, a former Michigan assistant, and mentioned a picture that surfaced with Washington working with some of the Buckeyes linebackers. Day fired back, quote, how about I worry about my team and you worry about yours? It's been reported elsewhere that Day also said to Harbaugh on the call that Michigan better hope that there's a mercy rule because Ohio State is going to hang 100 on you. However, Day did not say that on the call, but he did say those identical words during a team meeting, which took place not long after the call. He told his team that the conference better have a mercy rule or the Buckeyes are going to hang 100 points on the Wolverines. That is the Dave Biddle report. That is what everybody is buzzing about. And that is what Ryan Day certainly did not deny. He just no-commented it. So a no-comment is a no-comment. But, you know, if it wasn't true, if someone said, Doug, you wear teal headphones, I'd say, that's a lie. I wear pink headphones, right? So he could have denied it. He didn't deny it. He didn't come close to denying it. And I trust Dave Biddle. So what do you think of them apples, Nathan Baird? Well, the way that he answered that, sometimes a no comment is a yes. And I feel like the way that he answered that definitely – added some veracity to the report. Now we have not independently confirmed that this incident happened. And so we're not why, going to, I mean, and we're not going to, that's not that we're not going to try, but I mean, right. nobody's going to confirm. I mean, we might get exactly. some behind the scenes. I mean, I don't know. I could text, but, but certainly nothing on the record that we're going to confirm as to whether or not this happened or not. Um, I look forward to somebody asking Jim Harbaugh about it. That should be some high comedy at some point, but I mean, I, it sounds like a very plausible exchange to me because as we've talked about before on this podcast, and I was a big defender of the people who dismissed Jim Harbaugh as being some kind of a, a loser and a bad football coach. He is a weirdo, I think. I'm going to use that term. He's a weird guy. He's an interesting guy. 
a little bit enigmatic. And I could see him just from his conversational style or his, his, what we've seen in the past, I could see him interjecting something like that and making an accusation, Um, especially what is essentially behind closed doors, even though they're not in the same meeting room, they're having a meeting that not everyone has access to. Behind closed Zoom. Behind firewalls. Yeah. Um, Probably not actually a firewall, but anyway. Um, Behind an ID I could, code. It, I, you and I didn't have the ID code to get into that Zoom call. Correct, correct. We almost didn't have the one today, That's but uh, thanks to OSU for figuring things out today. Um, and I can see what I know of Ryan Day's personality. I could see him being like, hey, man, back off. Like, I could see him responding the way that he supposedly did in the moment. Now, the original report that came out had him saying the – hang a hundred on your ass in the meeting, which you that can't was, I thought, say. <laughs> All right. We got to turn that into, butt. do we say the a word on this podcast? Even if Ryan day said it, do we say it, Nathan? I, I don't know. Podcast? I'm not, I, I don't know. That goes to standards and practices. We'll oh, run that through our, if that's our the case, standards we, and practices. Department. We have no standards. We have no, standards. somebody will bleep it. You can bleep it or put in the sound of, of something else. I bleeped of, something. But, I bleeped something a month ago and I put in a car horn. I put in like a, ha. And one of the texters texted back and said, I was driving down the road and I heard the huh on the podcast and I almost like drove off the road because I thought someone was honking that, at me. I so saw I, that text. It, it's a callback to a Kirby Enthusiasm episode where he's driving down the road and he hears the, uh, the Amco commercial or whatever where it has double A, beep, beep, MCO, oh, yeah. whatever. And it, it triggers a road rage incident because he thinks the guy honking is behind him honking. Um, so I mean, the first report was him saying that like really confrontational stuff to Harbaugh in the meeting. Then what Biddle's report was, was that that happened later, which makes a lot more sense to me. I could, I, it sounded, the first report I thought was maybe a little bit more juvenile than I would have expected even football coaches to be amongst each other. So um, I don't know, interesting exchange. It heightens things a little bit. And uh, I imagine if we're able to get towards October 24th, uh, hopefully, then the, this topic's going to come up again. So, so let me ask. So, I, I, another and people have theorized that when we then spoke to the Ohio State captains, I think that same day, um, Justin Fields saying, "I don't care when we play them; I just want to beat the brakes off of them." And Wyatt Davis jumping in and saying, "Yeah, I agree with Justin. We just want to beat the brakes off of them." It was like that was a little bit extra juice for for August talk about Michigan and especially extra juice for Justin Fields for Ju- and so maybe this is why because this there had been bit, yeah. some juice uh relayed by Ryan Day so here's the kind of thing so okay that's the report that that Dave Biddle put out there and there's I mean I I, I don't I don't doubt Diddle Biddle's Diddle I don't doubt Dave Biddle's reporting at all so so he reported it well we're going to talk about it as if that's what happened does it, A, have a tangible effect on the Ohio State-Michigan game? And B, it, 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 is there something that – did someone handle something correctly or incorrectly? Um, I, my, my take at the, at the, off the top would be, you know what, if you're Jim Harbaugh and you think someone's breaking a rule, I don't know. It's one of those things. I, I don't know. This kind of stuff happens all the time, yeah. this little piddly stuff. And, yeah. and here and there, and I mean, if, if you think that every college football program in the world adheres to 20 hours a week, I mean, there's no way. There's no way. They wouldn't be able to prepare. I mean, the way that they go about it, I mean, we, we can run through. I'm not saying Ohio State is like a, 
breaks a bunch of NCAA rules, any program you would go to, if you wanted to go through and say, minor violation, minor violation, minor violation, like it happens everywhere. So they keep that list themselves. They have to submit it to the NCAA and people like us find it and report it. I mean, to some extent. They don't write down their own. Al Washington went on the field and instructed somebody for three plays when he shouldn't have. Now, if they get called out on it, they'll report it. They're not going around self-reporting every little thing they see with their own eyeballs that nobody knows about. But they do self-report a lot of violations is what I'm saying. Like even a, even a place that is not a corrupt place is going to have those. They happen by accident sometimes. I remember a program that I covered that one of their programs, one of their athletic teams had a violation because – the um they were on somebody was on an unofficial visit and there, somebody gave them a Mountain Dew or something when that wasn't oh, allowed no. like stuff like that and and maybe and that's why you put again I'm not, I don't want anyone to think like I'm accusing Ohio State or anybody of anything but this is I mean it's big boy school this is how it works but that's like you put a, a compliance person in the building and Ohio State put a compliance person in the building in the last couple of years and then maybe that compliance person that's their job they see it they might write it down there's a lot of stuff they don't see so the point is. If a team and I and I've gotten we've gone I mean I've gotten the the violations list from time to time you know in a six month period there might be fifty seven violations in six months across every sport if every sport at every school actually reported every minor violation that happened if it was an automatic if you were monitored by Big Brother and a robot was tracking it there wouldn't be fifty seven minor violations across every thousands. sport it'd be thirty thousand so yeah. so that's what I'm saying but. If you think you saw your rival breaking a rule, I'd call it out. Now, I don't know how I would go about it. I wouldn't be afraid to call it out to their face. But my point here is it feels like, and you can't control the other team, but it feels like Ryan Day, maybe Ohio State did a minor thing wrong, right? We don't know exactly, but maybe they did. Yeah, I don't even know. I, I, I didn't go back and investigate the full context of that photo, right? And, and what's the point? I mean, like, we're, I'm not I, – I, 10 years ago, I, I was happy to be the NCAA's unpaid policeman. I'm out of that business. The NCAA can come find it themselves. Screw the NCAA on this stuff. But Jim Harbaugh – I don't think Jim Harbaugh is necessarily wrong to bring it up. And even to bring it up on a call – to Ryan Day's face, even maybe in an attempt to call him out to embarrass him, to try to get an edge, to try to be like, hey, we're the rivals. I've been here longer. You're the new guy. Hey, new guy, what's up with this? And if Ryan Day can turn and flip that, Ohio State made the mistake, allegedly. And Ryan Day turns that into motivation for his team? That's some good coaching, brother. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where just from a, an optics standpoint, if you're Jim Harbaugh, it doesn't look great. It looks like you're kind of being a little bit petty when you can't beat this team on the field and now you're trying to find some little uh, okay. a, a I that wasn't dotted, a T that wasn't crossed. And and I think if I were – not well, I can't say if I were Jim Harbaugh. If it were me, I think there's another channel I would pursue that through first. And I, Is that I better? Think the, I think depending on the program, that might exist. Okay, so um, let me ask. Okay, so you're the coach. You're the coach. You notice your hated rival that you can't beat. Well, that's commits, the thing. It, in your mind, commits in your mind what you believe to be a minor NCAA violation. Your choices. This is choose your own adventure. Nathan Baird, Michigan coach. Do I want to write a choose your own adventure thing where you get to be Jim Harbaugh? 
and you go back. Well, I get to be Jim Harbaugh? No, our readers and our listeners. Oh, okay. Or our tech subscribers, maybe. I would call the thing, and it's like, do you climb the tree? Do you take off your shirt, or do you keep your shirt on? Do you sleep over at the recruit's house, or do you keep it on? And then you lead to different paths, and like, there's a path if you do the right thing, where it's like, you've won the national championship. And there's a path where if you do the wrong thing, it's like you're 0-5 against Ohio State. So choose your own adventure. Your options are do Mm -hmm. what Jim Harbaugh allegedly did, which is mention it on a conference call out in the open to the person's face, but out in the open. B, report it to the Big Ten, like behind the scenes, behind the back, whatever, the official channel. Hey, I believe that a member of our conference has committed a violation. Here it is. You do your thing. Or C, ignore it. I don't think you would do C. I think, and I think the important thing to remember is B may have happened prior to that call. And there may also be a situation here where because Ohio State is Ohio State and is kind of the behemoth in Big Ten football right now, where Jim Harbaugh is bringing it up in that context, in that moment, because he wants to kind of call Ohio State out. Even if he thinks it's not going to come to anything, it's sort of to like garner sympathy for your position in the rest of that room where there may be sympathetic people in there saying, hey, yeah, Ohio State does get away with stuff. I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying I'm trying to put myself in his head. So I, I could see, I guess, maybe taking that road if, but I think my first road would be something more through direct channels with Ohio State. If there's a relationship with Ohio Ward State and, or, or through the Big Ten, but also I think even with Ohio State, if you've got a relationship, if Ward Manuel and Gene Smith have a, a collegial relationship, I don't okay, know. So, but I, so, I think so the, Big Ten is where, the Big Ten is where you would first take that okay. if you're actually alleging something done wrong, I think, or the NCAA. Okay, so that's your, so you're the coach, Coach Baird, no caveats. You would do what? Your actual action would be? I would, I don't, I don't know the mechanism by which they bring those things to the NCA or the Big Ten's attention, but if I thought a real violation had occurred, this violation, this violation, this, it's this situation. If I, and I thought it was a real violation that caused a competitive advantage, I would take it to whatever body, I guess it's the, I don't (laughs) know. Do you think it's a violation that caused a competitive advantage? Again, I don't, I don't, I I, I don't know the full context of of the complaint. Oh my God. We're back to Nathan Baird won't give an answer. I'm just telling you, I don't, I, I, if, 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 if Ohio State was using, if Ohio State was doing in-person instruction when it should not have, then yes, that should be reported to somebody. If he saw a picture, if he saw a picture, that's all he, he doesn't know. He knows what he saw. Right. Right. So you would report that. To the and, it may have been, and what I'm saying is maybe that already happened and maybe they'd been rebuffed. And this is where he felt like this is my only option is to kind of bring it into the court of public opinion since the court of NCA isn't going to get me anywhere. Okay. So here's the thing. If it came out somehow and there's a possibility, I don't know the specifics exactly of how a, uh, a report lists things. If we got that report, a member of the a big 10 member turned in Ohio state for this thing. If it somehow came out, just like this came out. If it came out that Jim Harbaugh turned in Ohio State over this, wouldn't isn't that worse? That's like almost like you told on us. I almost think it it makes more sense to confront the person with it rather than being like a tattletale behind the back. If it's going to come out, I think this is better. But it feels like he did he did the thing that you would want to do, which is like, hey. Hey, cheater. Or I know he didn't say, hey, cheater. But that's his intent. His intent is to gain leverage, whether it's actual on-field leverage, whether it's psychological leverage, whatever. And it got reversed on him. Ryan Day, like, did the reverse wrestling move. So I don't know that what Jim Harbaugh did was the wrong thing. 
But the way it's reported by Biddle, at least, and the way Ryan Day spun it to his team, and the spin matters more than what actually happened. Ryan Day turned it into a win. Justin Fields was mad. So I don't know now, is Jim Harbaugh going to be able to go to his team and say, well, there's Ohio State. They're, they're, they're breaking the rules to get an edge. Are you going to let that happen? We don't break the rules here. Ohio State's breaking the rules to get an edge. We have to work that much harder. That's what they do. We know how they operate. You think they're 5-0 against us? You think they're 5-0 the right way? You think they're 5-0 the wrong way? Let's beat them the Michigan way, the way Michigan men do it. We're not going to do that. When I called out Ryan Day, he told me to mind my own business. This is our business. We're in the business of beating Ohio State this year. If he, Ryan Day just did that to his team. If Jim Harbaugh can't do that to his own team, this is an L for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, doesn't this sort of follow along the lines of some of the things that Ryan Day said last year when he was bringing up that fourth place, whatever BS computer ranking that ESPN had before the season about them finishing fourth in the East or whatever. I mean, he was bringing that up pretty much up to the CFP semifinals about how they were somehow disrespected all season because of that and were considered like a a lesser than or an also ran in, in college football last year. So he does not let an opportunity to motivate his team go by sometimes even when uh, it involves a lot of hyperbole and maybe having to like sort of squint and turn your head to really see what he sees in those or what he wants them to see. You know who was good at that? Urban Meyer. Ryan Day, picked bet, that yeah. up. Ryan Day picked that up very quickly. That's coaching. I mean, that's coaching. He can make – they're the overdog. Michigan's the underdog. And instead of allowing his team – to get any kind of big head or whatever. Ryan Day has his team mad at Michigan in early August in the middle of a pandemic. That's good coaching. That's using, and Ohio State's the one that made the alleged mistake. Michigan didn't do anything wrong, but Ryan Day still reversed it. I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff. And we don't know. We don't know what Harbaugh is going to say to his team, how Michigan's going to take it. You know what? If Michigan beats Ohio State on October 24th, maybe Jim Harbaugh will give a speech in the postgame that says, you know what, we, we know Ohio State was breaking rules in August, and we, that motivated us all year. But, you know, it, it's hard. Ohio State has more talent. So it's easier to win the argument when you have more talent. But Harbaugh, if Harbaugh, Harbaugh at the moment is not winning the talent edge. So if he can't gain a psychological edge – that just makes it that much harder for them. But that Ryan Day flipped it. I'm impressed that Ryan Day flipped it like that. I mean, am I too impressed by that? But that he got mad and flipped it and gave a speech and got Justin Fields fired up, that's pretty good. I think that – no, I think that is – there's something to be impressed with by that. I'm also – as much as wanting to know the real details of what Ohio State allegedly did or the real details of even what Jim Harbaugh said, I would love to know the reaction of the other 12 head coaches in that room and who – who was sympathetic to Harbaugh's plight and who else was maybe just kind of rolling their eyes in that moment. It would be, I, I would be kind of fascinated by a roll call. Yeah. Yeah. And again, and I'm not, I'm not, again, to, to, to wrap this up, cause we could talk about this forever and we have other things to talk about. There's 0% of me. I'm not disputing Dave Biddle's reporting at all. I'm respecting Dave Biddle's reporting. I'm appreciating it because it gives us, an Ohio State fan, something interesting to talk about in August. I think these little kind of things do matter. Biddle's good at this. Biddle has a lot of uh, people that he talks to, so he's good at this. You know, this is the side. This is this is an Ohio State message board. 
right? So if, if, if it was being reported on a Michigan message board, maybe right. the context, the, the facts can be the same. Maybe the context shifts a little bit. Or whatever, right? So again, that's not to dispute anything. Um, Context in terms of like whether was Harbaugh accusing him of something, or was he asking for a clarification about something? You know what I mean? Like there's there's some right. subtle differences in there. I mean, you could you could report the same thing, and if a Michigan, if someone at Michigan said Jim Harbaugh was trying to point out to Ohio State that they might have breaking broken a rule, and Ryan Day lost his mind and told Jim Harbaugh they should worry about their own teams and then went off half cocked and tried to make a big deal out of it to his team. I, I don't know what Ryan Day's deal is. He must be so desperate to try to keep his team motivated that he's making stuff up about Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is just trying to follow the rules, man. I mean, when is, when is breaking a rule about practice suddenly okay? If that's how it's going to be, then we know how it's going to be, Ohio State. Okay, fine. That's how it's going to be? Let's go. Let's go then. I mean, if that's the same facts, twisted a little bit, and if maybe a Michigan sub Michigan fan might might do that the same way. But it's about what it means. There's no ramifications. Ohio State's not going to be punished. Al Washington, if he did or if he didn't do it, it's not going to make Ohio State win a game or even be better on one snap if he did that. It's about is there some kind of something intrinsically that comes out of this. And it, by this report, it sure seems like something positive came out of it for Ohio state. It's up to Jim Harbaugh to somehow turn this into a positive for the Michigan team as well. And I think that's tough because right now it, it puts a focus on, you know, Ohio state already has this year round focus on Michigan, but it's, it's a year round focus on what are they doing to beat Michigan. And now Jim Harbaugh has said, well, we have a focus on Ohio state, but it's what is Ohio state doing that we don't want them to do that. that it kind of creates a new contrast there that again is not favorable for Harbaugh or Michigan. All right, let's talk about some other stuff. Ryan day did talk a lot, a lot of things with us. There weren't a ton of questions about on the field. There were more questions about how there were some questions, but not a lot of answers to. Right. That's true. Cause it's a first day again, just to repeat for people who don't memorize this stuff. The NCAA rules about the start of practices. The first two practices are only helmets. The third and fourth practices are helmets and shoulder pads. And the fifth practice, you can go to full pads. So whenever you ask about stuff early, everybody always says, well, we've got to get pads on. And it's like, okay, well, we'll ask you more once there are pads on, but we're going to ask you this now because you were at least on the field. And normally this would have been a day where we could have gone out and watched them take the field and we would have watched the first three periods of practice. But at least in a normal year, we would have been writing down how are guys lining up on the offensive line? Okay, Nicholas petit Frere's going with the ones at right tackle. And we would have we would have extrapolated from that. That's what we do. Any little morsel of information, we've got to try and use it the best that we can. So we didn't get to do that. I will tell people I went down to practice just to see what's up, and I saw a big tent in the parking lot. I saw they were how they were handling just from the outside a couple of like the COVID precautions. I didn't see anything else, but that's what we missed out on today. So let's talk about some of the on-field stuff. And then in the second half of this podcast, we'll talk about the specifics of how do you practice during COVID-19? How do you wear masks? Are they using face shields? Are practice changed because of this? But let's talk about on-the-field stuff first. Running backs. Nathan, you have a post up at cleveland.com about this already. It was your plan to ask Ryan Day about running backs. He wound up getting asked about running backs before you could ask it, but I think it kind of covered what you wanted to go into. He didn't say much, but he did say something. What was the big takeaway for you about the running back conversation? 
Yeah, apparently I did not do a Ricky Henderson-like job in the leadoff spot the other day because I was bumped all the way back to like I was like in in the little league lineup where you just put everybody on the roster and they have to go. I was I was like fifteenth, uh, which is fine. I was also having trouble getting in at first, so that may have been how they decided to queue. But um, you know, he didn't give us any specifics as far as a health update on anybody, whether that was Trey Sermon who's coming off of his own knee injury when he was at Oklahoma last year, or whether that's Master Teague with his Achilles or Marcus Crawley with his. Um, ACL tear that ended his last season. No medical updates. We don't know who was actually on the field, who wasn't today. Um, that also is something that just because you're not on the field the first day doesn't mean you wouldn't be there the third day or the fifth. A lot can resolve itself by between now and September 2nd as they're getting ready for a season. So no, no updates in terms of personnel that way. But the thing that struck me was he spoke very kind of effusively with praise about how hard Master Teague has worked to get back to the point he is now and he didn't we don't know what that means he was vague but like the point he is now which which he spoke in a way that made me optimistic that Master Teague can play football this season I didn't really have necessarily that optimism coming out of the spring the coaches were saying kind of the right things about him they thought maybe he'll be able to practice by end of the summer but it was very fresh at the at that time and just the way he Ryan Day was talking today made it sound like boy he's really it was more than like yeah he's He's doing what he has to do. It was like, man, he's really busting, and he looks – he's farther along than we thought he would be and looks like maybe – he didn't say it looks like he could contribute this year, but I was sort of extrapolating that. He had that kind of enthusiasm the way he was talking about it today. I, I don't know if you felt the same way. But. Uh, I did in the moment, and I will throw in this caution. This is the same stuff they said about Tough Borland when Tough Borland was coming back from a very mm-hmm. – I think the same injury or similar injury about how far ahead of schedule he was. And, and I think Tough Borland and Master Teague are cut from the same cloth. Um, I think they are both like the, like all, I think like JT Barrett, when JT Barrett was, has rehabbed in his career, um, he had to rehab right away because he came in with an ACL tear. Then he had, he, you know, hurt himself in the Michigan game freshman year. Everything about JT Barrett you heard in rehab. They're just guys who you don't have to get on them. They are self-motivated. They push themselves probably even even further than the trainers want them to. Guys like that, you got to pull back in rehab. And Ryan Day brought up the point that Master Teague had to do this all by himself. Now, he's in contact with Adam Stewart and some of the other trainers and the, 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 the guys who help the rehab process. Adam Stewart's a guy who's been there a while who's gotten a lot of credit over the years for helping various Buckeyes rehab. So Master Teague has done all the right things. Tough Borland came back. Nobody thought he'd be ready for the first week of the season. He was, but he wasn't himself. It took a year. Yeah. So – Tough Borland was ahead of schedule the whole time, and then when he got on the field, he couldn't run. And he probably shouldn't have been out there. And the only reason he was out there is because he worked his butt off. And a lot of guys wouldn't have been. So that is what I'll expect. I'll expect that Master Teague will be at the front end of his timetable. But, man, I just don't you think it's going to be hard to be yourself? And he's a running back. He has to be able to run. And that's why I said – at some point this season, I think he'll be he, – it sounded like the way he talked today, Master Teague might some be able to contribute. I would be still very suspicious that happens on September 3rd. And I think almost everybody in that room – I mean, I would say maybe even about Trey Sermon. I don't know that he'll be at 100% workload for September 3rd, and I don't know that they need him to be at 100% workload for September 3rd. They can, they can probably manage the carries in that room a little bit early on and build them, especially with the schedule they have. I mean, we talked about it yesterday, but you start with Illinois, Rutgers, Purdue, you get to kind of ease into things a little bit. You don't have to go right up against Penn state, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, or they won't play Wisconsin, but you know what I'm saying? You don't have to go up against the very best in the big 10 right away. I think that lets you get away with using 
Damari McCall for a series and Steel Chambers for a series and people like that early in the game um, in a way that you wouldn't be able to in some tougher competition situations. So I, I, I still think it's more about whether, again, we're – Everything here, the caveat is, assuming we actually play a full season, it's, it's, you want Master Teague for late October, October 24th, for example. You want him for those kinds of weekends more than you need him for September 3rd at Illinois. I, in the course of this conversation, have 180 degrees changed what I thought of what Ryan Day said about the running back room. Because Ryan Day's big takeaway, he listed all the guys, said Steel Chambers had a great offseason, brought up Mayan Williams, like looking good as a true freshman mentioned that Marcus Crowley probably was the least effusive about Marcus Crowley because he's still coming back from an ACL that happened during the year. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to come back from. But his big takeaway was that we have better depth than a year ago. That was his big thing. We have, a lot, we have better depth in the running back room than a year ago. You mean a year ago when you had a 2,000-yard rusher and when your backup running back was third-team All-Big Ten? And when Steel Chambers and Marcus Crowley, who are on the roster right now, were on the roster? And when, and when you're – if your number two running back a year ago wasn't coming off an injury. So actually that can't be true. Yeah. It's like you go through it. It's like, okay, would you rather have Dobbins or Sermon? I'd rather have Dobbins. Would you rather have Master Teague last year or Master Teague this year? I'd rather have Master Teague last year because he wasn't hurt. Yeah. Would you I rather didn't even actually use that quote in what I wrote up because I thought it was a little bit hyperbolic. That, that was my takeaway. And it's like, no, that's like factually incorrect. Would I rather have Marcus Crowley last year or Marcus Crowley this year? Marcus Crowley last year because last year he wasn't hurt. Would I rather have Steel Chambers last year or Steel Chambers this year? Steel Chambers this year because he's healthy and they said he looked good in the offseason. But, like, the change in the depth, and then you added Mayan Williams. What's the change in the depth? That Steel Chambers is a year older as your fourth string running back? I mean, the depth is not better. That's him being hyperbolic and trying to puff up that room. Now it makes me question it. I'm not going to let anybody forget about J.K. Dobbins, right? I mean, like, the idea of, like, well, this – J.K. Dobbins ran for 2,000 yards and was awesome and helped that offense go last year. So, like, sometimes I react negatively. When I think coaches are praising a group too much, it makes me think, aha, they're worried about that group. Because mm -hmm. if you believe in guys, you don't have to puff them up in the media. You know, I that's, mean, like, I always said, point, yeah. Urban Meyer, and I wrote about it, and I asked Dwayne about it, I asked Urban about it. Urban Meyer never – said anything good about Dwayne Haskins. Never. You know why? Because Dwayne Haskins knew he was good. And Urban Meyer, I think, was trying to keep Dwayne from getting a big head. But he didn't have to come in and talk about how the quarterback room was better than it was with JT Barrett and whatever. He just let Dwayne be Dwayne. And Dwayne was like, I got it. 50 touchdown passes, I'm good. So now I'm actually worried about the running back room. Way to completely change your mind in the middle of the podcast, Doug. Not well, so worried, switch. but I don't know. <laughs> let's switch the conversation then over to the DBs. Cause I did ask him about the defensive backs. He had yes. talked back in January. I think his exact quote was something about, we have to find leadership in that room. Something about, you know, besides Sean Wade, somebody else has to step up. They lost three starters there. So I asked him kind of about the progress there. And he specifically mentioned seven banks who we all had um, googly eyes over from the one practice we got to see in the spring. And he mentioned Marcus Williamson, which I thought was interesting to um, like the kind of the other lone senior in that group. Um, and somebody that, Sean Wade himself had mentioned as a potential maybe slot cornerback guy um, when we talked to him earlier this week. But you didn't hear anybody else get mentioned by name the way you did with the running backs where you ran down kind of the whole room. So did you take anything away from that? Like, do you, do you, should we extrapolate that that's a room that he's more comfortable with because he's not talking him up that much or that he yeah. didn't mention some of those guys by name for a reason? It's hard. It's hard because we don't have eyes on it. If it matched up, like, so he didn't say Cam Brown's name. 
Well, why didn't he say Cam Brown's Johnson name? or and like a lot of times, like this would happen with Urban. Urban would just forget to talk about a guy, and you know, it's like you, you yeah. would be like, uh oh, and then it was like, oh, just Urban forgot because he's trying to name eighty five guys. And in his defense, this was towards the end of a call. I don't know, <laughs> Buckeye Talk listeners may have noticed my attention span waving sometimes when we get into the fourth hour of a Wednesday podcast. So. um I, maybe that's a play here too. He'd been talking for a while by the time I got around to him. And it's hard because, I mean, what you like to do is use your eyeballs and then ask what your right. eyeballs tell you. And our, and our eyeballs, when we only get to watch three practice periods, they're not telling us much. But like if you said, I mean, it's one of those, if you had seen it, and I'm not singling out Cam Brown, let's assume that he just forgot to say Cam Brown and Cam Brown is awesome. But if we had seen that, oh, look, like Cam Brown's like running with the threes and they just did a quick little thing where they put out three corners first and it was Wade, Banks, and Williamson. And it seems like they're the first three guys. And then you ask that question and he didn't mention Cam Brown, but he did mention Marcus Williamson. Then we'd be like, aha, it appears we have a leader for the slot cornerback role, right? Uh, we can't only extrapolate that off one question after the first day. I'm it's interesting, and now it's now we've got to monitor it, right? But yeah. if Tyreek Johnson had gone out today and in helmets only, no shoulder pads, no anything else, and looked like Jalen Ramsey, or even looked like Seven Banks did the first day of spring practice, then Ryan Day, you know, probably would have mentioned it. So, so right. So I mean, Maybe. like again, we we can. Maybe, but he also may may have been thinking, oh, I don't want to make too much out of one practice the way we all did about seven banks in the spring. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would say like it, I will say having now talked today and having talked to, I mean, that's the second time Marcus Williams's name came up in a prominent way this week. I don't know if that's just giving a senior some love. It's a guy who hasn't had a big role with this defense in the past, but it does start to make me wonder, like if I had to put money on it today, is he your slot corner and then do banks and Brown kind of share a spot opposite Sean Wade. And you try to use those two guys to be more than the sum of the parts. And when Sean Wade was asked about it on the captain's call, he did talk about how Kerry Combs likes to rotate. And that's yep. what Kerry Combs did as the cornerbacks coach here before. They didn't rotate last year because they had first-rounders on the field. They had three first-rounders on the field, so they didn't rotate. But also, if you're rotating corners, when Kerry Combs was here, they rotated corners. They would rotate three guys through two spots. Now you have three starters. So now if you're going to rotate, now you need like five guys. Yep. You know, So it's like, to me, if they're going to rotate, and I think you might be right, if – and again, we're, we're extrapolating off of nothing. We're just talking football, man, because we haven't been able to talk football. We have, we have 4% more information than we've had at any moment since March. So we're going to talk about it. If you have Sean Wade at one outside spot, Brown and Banks splitting the other outside spot, I don't know that Marcus Williamson is going to be out there every snap. So then now I'm looking for who's rotating in the slot with Marcus Williamson. If Sean Wade doesn't rotate because Sean Wade's going to be the 18th pick in the draft next year, great. That makes sense to me. But then is it like, is it Tyreek Johnson in the slot with Marcus Williamson? Is it Legend Cavazos? You know, like, is it now we, start, yeah. now we start going to some interesting places? Do they play Williamson sometimes? And then sometimes they go to a two-safety look, and they have Marcus Hooker out there with Josh Proctor, and you slide a safety down, not to necessarily man up with the slot guy, but he's got coverage, and you put a zone over top of it. You have some linebacker responsibilities, and that's how you rotate, that you don't have that third corner on the field as much. That's where, that's where I would like my mind to go. But like I said, we have, we have a morsel. We usually have like 11 crumbs. They don't ever let us watch enough practice to really get a meal out of anything. Very seldom. 
every now and then. I don't want to, if you're listening, Mike Bassford or Jerry Emig or Ryan Day or anyone who grants practice access, I know we're not getting it this year in COVID times. We, we love being there, baby. Makes us smarter. We talk, we talk smarter. We talk smarter when we see stuff. But we have very little to go on right now. But So we're going to parse every word. Receivers. Let's go receivers. I just want to say, if they wanted to allow us to walk practice, watch practice, we could spread out and watch practice. No. They, were, they could. I know it's not going to happen. I'm just saying COVID's not the reason they're not going to let it happen. They're not going to, but they can't. They're testing everybody. They're not going to – I mean, the only way – and they never would. We'd have to be tested as much as the players are. They're not going to let us be within 100 feet of anybody around that team if we haven't been tested. I'm just saying if you never. put us on a place where we could see into the thing and everybody's got binoculars and we were spread out, it could happen. But they're not going to, and I don't, I'm not saying they should. If, like, we were on the roof of the faucet center across the street with binoculars and they set up, like, a little patio there, they would not let us on the property of the Woody without I think there'd be more liability about putting us on the test on the roof of the faucet center. That I would I would fall off a roof. I would fall. I'm the kind of guy who would 100%, fall off a roof. 100%. That would be the end of you. All right. So I asked about the receivers generally, uh-huh. and then Pat Murphy from Bucknuts followed up and asked specifically about Jalen Harris. I asked if the freshman receivers were specifically held back by all the time missed. Ryan Day repeated what he has said before. Tim May had asked about the backup quarterbacks, but he basically said the receivers, the quarterbacks, they're behind where they normally would have been. But his point is we rotate guys. And this actually is an important point. We rotate guys. We're looking to rotate six receivers. So you can't just like wipe away the four freshmen and say, well, they're behind. They don't have six receivers to play if they said like no freshmen are going to play. So he can't like that's not he's not going to go there and there's no point in saying well Julian Fleming looks great but I'm not sure about Mookie Cooper like that's day one right and I'm just making that up but Pat Murphy then did specifically ask about Jalen Harris which is interesting that's a guy from Cleveland that's our guy from Northeast Ohio plain dealer high school player of the year um, who hasn't done really anything so far veteran guy fourth year guy I think. And Ryan Day, like, seemed – it's hard sometimes. You get asked about a specific guy, and Pat chose to ask about Jalen, Jalen Harris. If, you, if someone's going to ask about Jalen Harris, you're not going to say. There's no way that Ryan Day asked about a specific player after the first day of practice is going to be like, oh, no, no, he's not going to play. So, right. you know, there weren't that many guys who were specifically asked about and Jalen Harris was one of them, so I don't want to go too far with this, but that's a guy that we've speculated about, a lot of people have speculated about. If the freshman receivers are behind at all, Jalen Harris probably stands to gain the most from that. Did you take away anything from what Ryan Day said about Jalen Harris? Well, it's what he said in combination with what Brian Hartline had said about him earlier in the spring. I mean, that's that's now two coaches that have been um, said some favorable things about him and what he, you know, kind of what they've seen from him just in this off season and and ways that uh, Harris has kind of asserted himself in this off season. So I think things are are not wide open with the wide receivers right now, but um, maybe as wide open there as they are just about any position after Olave and Wilson. I think there's still a lot of movement that can happen there, and people just need to remember it's not like you're trying out for a play and then they announce the roles on uh, before opening night or whatever. And then, then that's what you're locked into all season. I think there's going to be some fluctuations in, in rotational spots in that room this season. Did you do any plays in high school? I did. I did some earlier. I was the wizard in the wizard of Oz in my elementary school behind the curtain. Yeah. You had the, I was, it was a very big like um, reveal at the end. And it was Nathan Baird was the big reveal. 
That was me. I was I was the big star. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think like I guess Dorothy is a star of it, and uh, I was just the big the, the the big foil at the end. It. I'll tell you what, brother. It's not called the Dorothy of Oz. You know what I'm saying? When you're in the title of the play, that's a big role. Um, I did a play in high school called The Sunshine Boys, which is a Neil Simon play. It's two old guys. And I always tell this story. I think we did it two nights. And there was a part, uh, a a girl played a nurse. And her parents could only come for one of the shows. And uh, the night her parents were there, I dropped a line and skipped from like page 17 in the play to like page 23 and cut out her part (laughs) and and it was like why why didn't the nurse come on and it's like because doug went from the pickle joke to the bicycle joke and he skipped six pages so somewhere somewhere there's a woman who is like searching for a bullet long enough that she can carve the name Lay Maurice into it. Yeah. Grandma so it literally has your name on it. She'll come find you. Like Grandma. Steve Buscemi in uh uh what's the movie? Uh Billy Madison. I'm gonna get people to uh to write down the, the TV and movie references that you and I make so we can have a list of like what old white guys like to watch. It's, it's all the same ones over and over. Yeah. I'm using, I've been using my stepbrother's cl- gl- cup here. Nice. Um, all right. So that was like, we didn't cover a ton of other stuff. I asked Ryan Day about the right tackle battle. He said some good stuff about Nicholas Petit Frere. Also said good stuff about Paris Johnson, but talked about what a good offseason Nicholas Petit Frere had. That's a guy, I think, again, a lot of it's psychological. Doesn't mean they'd lie. But he's talking about like how Nick, Nicholas Petit Frere is ready for the fight. And Nicholas Petit Frere was in a fight a year ago and didn't win it. So that's a guy you don't want him to hang his head. So I think Ryan Day, when you're asked about Nicholas Petit Frere, he's going to say, that guy looks great. So Nicholas Petit Frere thinks, I'm going to go get it. Doesn't mean Paris Johnson doesn't look great, but I think NPF might need a little boost psychologically. Um, but, but I took away like, okay, well, like, you know, I think Paris, everyone thinks Paris Johnson is going to be a stud. It's just a matter of is it going to be this year or not. Maybe it means, you know, maybe not quite this year because he might not, he's a five-star who's two years older ahead of him in that battle. Not a lot well, Greg of – Also, I want to say Greg Strujawa in the spring was really uh, kind of over the top talking about um, the job MPF has done, remaking his body or improving his body and getting to the weight that they wanted to be at. Ryan Day brought that up again today. And I think those things are telling us more about why Nicholas petit Frere maybe didn't win that job last year as much as they're telling us why he's competing for this job this year. Yeah. I think it's giving us perspective on where he was before and why now he might be in better position to actually win that job. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was, you know, whatever, maybe it changed my percentage, six percentage points extra towards Nicholas Petit Frere, the way Ryan Day talked about it today, but that's driving the bus. Remember that's still going to be an interesting battle. I mean, it's going to be a great battle. There's not, we'll go through that at some point. Um, laying out exactly the battles that we think are there. It's just going to be hard because we're not, we're not watching. That's the thing you get from practice. So, okay. I'm not sure there's anything else on field football talk that we need to get to before we take a break and dive into COVID a little bit more. I don't think so. Okay. Ready to go. All right. A uh, couple big name college football players continuing to opt out. Ryan Day asked about opt outs on Thursday. We'll dive into that and we'll dive into what exactly the precautions the Buckeyes are taking at practice regarding COVID-19. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back. Doug Maurice and Nathan Baird. Nathan, Greg Rousseau, probably the best defensive end in the country, plays at Miami. He announced on Thursday he's opting out. 
Um, this follows, you know, I wrote a couple days ago. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for, for a super important guy from one of the best five teams in the country to opt out. Micah Parsons is close because we were yeah, talking right. about that. It, that's it, Penn State's not in the top tier. I think they were seventh in the preseason poll, but they might lead the second tier and their best player opted out. And that became official. Actually, our, our sister site at penlive.com, I think has like a first person thing with Micah Parsons where he wrote something and they made a video and everything about him officially declaring his opt out. But no, like Georgia, no Oklahoma, no Clemson, no Alabama, no Ohio State yet. Jamar Chase at LSU affirmed that he's not opting out. Said he's going to stay. His dad told told a media outlet that. Ryan Day asked about it on Thursday. Said he had talked to the team about the opt-outs. And basically what he relayed was, I told them, if you're thinking about that, come talk to me and we'll talk it out. If it's something that you know, you're opting out because you're worried about COVID-19, I sort of got the impression that he would like to try to talk you out of that because – Ohio State believes they're doing this safely, and they believe a lot of parents and players have confidence in that. So if your primary reason for an opt-out is health and virus-related, then I think Ryan Day feels like maybe I can, I can not talk you out of it might be the right word, but I can show you, man, this is as safe as, as anybody can be. If it's draft-related, and that's what these are first-round guys who are doing that, it's draft and virus-related. If it's that, that's a different equation. But again, you asked Justin Fields, Sean Wade was asked, those guys aren't leaning that way. But I, I, didn't you get that impression from Ryan Day that he sort of thinks that Ohio State guys don't have a need to opt out for health considerations because they've got it under control? To stay on brand and, and tie this to our uh, fledgling chain restaurant bracket, he, he reminded me a little bit of like a, a restaurant owner – um, asking people, hey, before you go give us those terrible Yelp reviews, just tell me what we can do to have major experience at this restaurant better. Like, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, go you get out in front of it and tell these guys, like, hey, if, it, if it's – and I don't think he feels like – he heard those guys talk on Tuesday. He brought it up multiple times. That he, he was listening to the call that we had with the, the football players earlier this week. Those are just his captains. As I said before, that's a special subset of the roster. But I mean, I think he, he is, they're getting the feedback from the players that, that I don't think they're getting the same concerns that maybe some other schools are getting from their players. So I think he's already has some confidence about that, but yeah, go to, you know, start that dialogue, have the, make sure there's an open dialogue. It kind of goes to other things we've talked about just of how the genuine, um, way that he kind of comes across to players and the connection that he seems to have with these guys where they, they trust him. And I think that's part of building that trust. Um, but I think you're right when it comes to the, uh, the question that I was going to ask him and that person got to it before me and I didn't really want to, I didn't know if doubling up would, would have uh, gotten us anywhere, but the kind of the question that I had for him was balancing sort of that side of it with the health concerns and people might have legitimate health concerns with, and, and wanting to be open to that. But also on the other side, do you have people who get, when you're talking about the draft stuff, do you have people who are sometimes getting in the ears of prospects and kind of leading them that way? And how do you then kind of interrupt that as a coach and, and still not come across as being disrespectful or, 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 or dismissive of what their concerns might be or their needs might be? I think that's an, it's a tough thing sometimes to balance because these decisions are being made if not exclusively for one reason or the other, then sometimes in tandem. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I do think you're right. I think Ohio State, Ohio State has more money than a lot of schools, so they can put more money into the testing. Ryan Day seems to have a good relationship with his players. And it's like, so it's like any relationship. You don't want to find out after it's over what you did wrong. You want to find out before it's over, what are we doing wrong and can we fix it? So he was sort of emphasizing that point. They are doing some things. He was asked a lot about like what you're doing. I saw this and I sent a, uh, Actually, I didn't send the picture to the tech subscribers. That was going to be too big, I think. But it's like a giant, almost like a tent that you would rent for a wedding. Really big white tent out front in the gated parking lot where the players typically park. Out front of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. That has no cars in it. The tent takes up about 40% of the lot. And under the tent, you can see there's a bunch of tables and chairs I thought they were only using it maybe to come out and eat there rather than eating inside. But they also have a smaller tent next to it. So my perception of it, Ryan Day said they're using that for some outside meetings, that they don't want to always be inside for the team meeting rooms. Everybody, every expert around COVID will is explained a million times that it transmits less outside than it does inside. That's a big adjustment. All the players are sort of in the side parking lot that's not gated where – the media and the regular people usually park. I saw them coming out. They were handing out food and they were taking pizzas home. And that's the thing. It's always, I like it when they, the football players have pizzas. It's not a personal pizza. It's a whole pizza. They're football players. They get a whole pizza. How many personal pizzas do you think Dewan Jones could eat? <clears throat> I don't know. We should have him on the podcast and ask. I'll ask the tech subscribers. I'll send a survey. How many? Um, so, that was happening, but it was like they were taking their food and leaving almost like it was a road game after a road game. Mm-hmm. So that certainly is an adjustment. And Ryan Day talked about that. So they're trying to be outside a little bit more. What are some other things? I mean, there were some other – I don't want to just keep talking, but he did say today they did split squad practice. Friday they'll be all together at practice. And he said that was a nod to COVID-19. But he basically was also like, well, we have to all be together at some point. So they're, right. they are making adjustments. What are some other adjustments you heard him talk about? Um, I was going to ask, and somebody else beat me to it, about the masks. Because um, I had talked to people a few weeks ago uh, for a story about just the feasibility of masks and using those while actually playing football and how that seemed to be a, a non-starter for a lot of people. And um, especially because of when they get wet, they get very heavy. You can't breathe through them. And uh, Ryan Day kind of said the same thing. I mean, they were wearing them today. You saw them in the video. Um, The coaches were wearing them too. Like when they were up on the blocking sleds getting pushed around, the players are wearing them for the things that they were doing today. But he said that when they put helmets on, which happens, I guess, from the, in the third practice. No, they have helmets uh, on today. Right. But I mean, but when they go, when they're wearing the helmets, I should say, when they're wearing the helmets, they wear helmets at practice all the time. Right, but they weren't wearing the helmets in everything they did today. Right, there were times – so they were showing some drills and stuff today where they were helmetless. I know what you're saying. Right. So when they wear helmets, they are not required to wear the face masks. And uh, the, the Ohio State is not requiring them to wear the face masks. And on top of that, they were asked about the face shields and because there is emerging technology with that. And they said that they're, that's still kind of up in the air. They're testing them. They had a chance to test them during the walkthroughs. Uh, they're getting feedback from the players as to what they like about them and what they don't. But they're hearing a lot of complaints about those fogging up and them not being, you know, causing eyesight, you know, or vision problems because of that. So, which you naturally would expect. I mean, it's just one of the difficulties that they're still trying to solve here, I think, across college football. So that is a little bit of a concern for me as someone who wants to see college football played this 
fall is that if there isn't some kind of protection there, once they start actually playing contact football, is that where you start seeing transmissions? I think that's a natural thing to be worried about. If somebody on the field has it, he's going to give it to somebody. The, Even with a mask, yeah. The way that you stop transmission is by having the guys play, not have it, right? I mean, that's right. That's it. So that's, that's always been the case. I don't think anybody has ever believed that you can have contact football and, and not have it spread. So that's, that's why they're not making a man. That's why nobody is mandating masks while you play. I mean, it's, 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 and, and, and Tim may asked about, you know, oh, he, he said he believed or had, had heard from people that like the linemen were the big consideration, right? That you're breathing on each other. And that's the big thing. And it's just like, I, I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, it's just, if somebody has it, so you I mean, just it makes the most sense that they're breathing in each other's faces but, in close proximity more than anybody else is. But but you're right. It, it's it is a it's a field wide problem. And um, if you look at the Big Ten protocols, you can see where the dominoes could fall. I mean, if you get one guy in a program who has who tests positive, then everybody who is considered close contact, which is within sixteen or within six feet of them for fifteen minutes. And that's going to involve a lot of practice scenarios that would put somebody within six feet of another teammate for 15 minutes. All those people have to quarantine for two weeks. But, but I think, but there's two separate things here. And we talked a lot about the quarantine the other day. There's, are you forced to quarantine because you were around somebody? And there's, did you get it? Did you get it from somebody at football practice? And I have been saying all along during the workout phase are they getting it at the workouts? Are they getting it in the weight room? Are they getting it during socially distanced walkthroughs? And, and my, my guess, I guess it's a guess more than anything, was that no. I mean, when you hear about the positive tests that have happened so far, it's that guys all went to a party together and they got it at the party. You know, and, and it didn't feel like to me that one guy got it at the party and he gave it to 27 other guys in the weight room. It's like a bunch right. of guys went to the party and they spread it at their apartment or whatever, right? So but it doesn't even have to be a bunch of guys. That's the thing. And it's one guy because then if the one guy comes in and tests positive, then all those other people who had that close contact don't even have to test positive. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking I'm about quarantine. We, I, I get it. We talked about quarantine. I'm talking about getting it because that's actually – I mean, like, there's the competitive balance thing of the quarantine, and then there's getting it, and you might really get sick. So, sure. so I've believed – that I'm not sure that you were at a huge risk of getting it at the football facility up until now. Now, if somebody has it at practice, you're going to get it from him. Now, if you stay in your position group or if you stay ones versus twos and like you don't interact with that guy at all, because like today was a split squad on Thursday was a split squad. Ryan day said, well, then if somebody had it, then there would be 50 guys who wouldn't even be at risk of getting it because they were on a separate field from that guy today. But the other 50 guys I would imagine is a quite, quite a bit of a risk. So that's the thing. They're just, you can't, you can't have guys have it. You have to stop it. And then you can't go out and get it in the outside world and be asymptomatic and, ha and have a negative test, but you actually have it and show up at practice. So that's th – like, so my point is masks under helmets and face shields and all this stuff. I just – that's not – that's not the front line of defense. I mean, that to me is not – that's not 
going to work anyway. So I understand why they aren't doing it. If you're listening to this and saying, I can't believe they're not wearing masks under their helmets. Listen, man. I mean, that's not, that's not the deal in my mind, right? Or do you think that's important? Would you I, prefer I don't, I, I, that they I understand. wear masks? I mean, I, I, well, no, because I think, I, I think that the, the problem with wearing the masks is real. You perspire, they get heavy, you can't breathe through those. I mean, so that's a real it, – it's just one of those things that if you're going to try to play football, this is just one of the hazards is that you're not going to be able to have face coverings in close proximity the way we all are out in society or many of us are in society right now with people we don't immediately live with. And I know that, that maybe a football team kind of walks that line a little bit, but not, you're not roommates with everybody. You're not around everybody the same way. So um, I just think it's one of those things that does make it a little bit more precarious um, because they can't protect themselves in those scenarios the way the average person can when they're walking that close to a stranger in the, in the grocery store or whatever. And that's, this is more prolonged exposure than that. Right. Um, the one thing I thought was interesting, so we do, they usually check into a hotel for preseason camp. They are not doing that this year. Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense to me. I thought, thought that uh, – to me, it makes sense. Okay, so Ryan Day, and it's funny, and again, this is the great debate of hanging out on campus, how much are players on campus, how much are they integrated into the regular student population, how much are they at risk once those students come back. Ryan Day is talking about – he said – the guys are in their apartments and there's just everybody who's not a freshman. I mean, that's where you, I mean, you, you live in an apartment. They don't live in dorms. And he didn't, he kind of imply that a lot of the guys, I mean, I guess he didn't say everybody has their own apartment, but he was saying like everybody has their own room. So I guess there's, there's often a bunch of guys who live together. You live two guys in an apartment or four in an apartment but you have your own bedroom. When I, when Cardale Jones and Tyvis Powell lived together, they had their own bedroom. So I think, I think what it sounded like to me, he didn't exactly pl- say this, but it was like, we're not doing the hotel. Guys are in their apartments. They have their own room. When you go back to your apartment, don't all be hanging out playing video games. Kind of go in your room. And that's part of their plan. Did you get that impression? Yeah. No, I did. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it's smarter just because if you're, if you, you kind of have to trust, I mean, because that mingling could happen whether they're at the hotel or whether they're at their apartments anyway. So I would almost rather let them be in the uh, an environment that they are already controlling. So when they've been controlling all summer, supposedly, uh, as they've gone through this process with the voluntary workouts and the, the mandatory workouts, they're, they're used to the procedure now of going to practice and then coming home and doing these things. I think you're also maybe by not having them at the hotel, it also limits out how much interaction they're having with other people to some extent. I um, disagree with a, that. I think it's like the all the hotel workers and everything. How much interaction do you have with hotel workers when you stay? I'm just saying that, well, but you have none when you're living at home and you're handling all that stuff yourself is my point. But I'm a little surprised they didn't do the hotel because that's, then you can keep an eye on them. Now you're trust. You told everybody stay in your room. You told everybody don't go out and get wings. But if they're in the hotel, you can monitor them. And, and, and honestly, I mean, it's not like they'd be down at the hotel buffet. I'm a little surprised they're not in the hotel. I, I think it might be this. They but talk the, a lot the about – hotel, they can't all have their own room. They probably are – Well, that's what I was going to say. I yeah. mean, they double up. The whole thing is you're an old guy with a young guy. Everybody talks about mm-hmm. who's your brother, your big brother and your little brother for camp. 50 rooms to 100 rooms is a big outlay. And I'm not even sure that the, the hotel they would have stayed in before would have – 
that they've stayed in the last several years would be able to accommodate that. So I don't know if there was a financial part of that, if there's a logistical part of that, but I kind of believe, so tell me I'm wrong. I kind of believe you're actually, as a football team, you might believe you can control their activity away from the field and then have more belief that they weren't exposed to anybody more in the hotel than by sending them home where they're on their own. I'm sorry, you're asking. That I would believe the football team would believe we can control their interactions more if they're in a hotel. That's why they stay in a hotel the night before games, too. I mean, it's it's kind of the same concept there a little bit. I think you're right. I think they could potentially control their actions more there. But I also think that um, you have to remember here, I think cost is maybe one aspect of this. The other aspect of it may be liability, too. If you pair people up, if if what they signed was not a liability waiver, and then later somebody gets sick because you put them in a room with someone else who had it, I don't know what that means in terms of liability. No, but they would. I mean, the way Ryan did talk about it, they wouldn't pair them up. So that's the so, whole point. But I don't know if logistically that that was a, an, op, an option. Right. So that's my point. Right. They won't, they're not going to put them in the same room, and then they have, it's twice as much money and logistically. But if they could have overcome that hurdle, we're not putting them in the same room, but we can afford the money and we can logistically do it in the hotel. I think the hotel makes more sense. He was immediately not dismissive of the hotel because he knows it. We're not staying in a hotel. That was kind of news to me. Because it's not my initial instinct, a hotel is much more dangerous for COVID than an apartment. I would think it's the opposite. I guess, I guess that's maybe a more fair way to say it. I don't know that the hotel is more dangerous. But I think that what they've been doing, obviously, has been working as far as them staying and living at home. They did have the one pause in the, the mandatory workouts um, right before the voluntary workouts started, but they resumed. As far as we know, that has kind of gone on without a hitch. The players spoke as if it's been going pretty smoothly since then, and they haven't had a, a lot of problems with, with testing or, or positive results since then. So I, part of me says that it, it kind of would take it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And because you know that if they all have their own room, that you can spread them out, and that's probably more important than, you know, Ryan Day was asked previously as we went through this thing, and I can't remember what month it was. We had him a few times over the course of the spring and summer. was asked a question along the lines of, I think he was asked about how Alabama was supposedly monitoring players with Apple Watches or, or whatever, and he said something along those lines where, like, if you have to do that, then your program has a problem. I don't think he's being glib about the very real issues that go along with COVID. But I think what he's saying is at some point you do have to kind of trust these guys, even if you're making them sign the Buckeye pledge, you do have to, that's part of your trusting them and them trusting you to go out and do the, the common sense, social distance and other guideline things that are being recommended right now. Uh, the big 10 United, the players, uh, the, there's a, a letter uh, in the players tribune that said uh, more than a thousand Ohio state, uh, more than a thousand big 10 players supported it. As we talked about it in the previous podcast, it's all about COVID-19 rules and safety regulations and protocols. It's not any more broad than that. Ryan Day was asked about it. I thought he was like generally supportive of it, but I also thought it was funny that he said, there's no Ohio State players who are part of that that I know of. And it's like, okay, they said there's a thousand players. That's an average of 70 per team and there's no Ohio State guys. Yeah, and actually I think Tim May reported yesterday that he heard back from that organization that there were 50 some Ohio State players involved. People can check that. I remember seeing him say something like that on Twitter. Um, so I, I thought the way Ryan Day said it to be, to give the full context was, I don't know if there's any players in, I don't know if any Ohio state players involved or something along those lines, but he also said, I didn't pry. He said, he felt like that's, he feels like if he starts, um, I think maybe he thinks if he starts checking on that, that that somehow encroaches on 
what he, the thing he's trying to support, which is that, you know, them to have a voice and be able to talk about some of these things. Again, I don't think because of the way Ohio state has handled, it seems to have handled this and the players and, and their parents are saying has, have handled this, um, the, is not real self-conscious about the, the COVID-19 concerns as it relates to, you know, players demanding more. I think they feel like they're doing a decent job. So I, I feel like, and I kind of, as I said this yesterday, when we brought up this topic, if I was a, an Ohio state coach, I would probably be supporting my players doing that because I think if, if it, by it kind of, in a, in a roundabout way, it puts pressure on other programs who maybe aren't taking it as seriously. Yeah. He said, I basically like, I want them to have a voice. Um, he wants them. If you have a problem, come to me so that I can advocate for you. Right. But if it's something that I can't get done on my own, we'll encourage them to speak out. Um, so he was generally supportive of it. I do think it's a little bit funny. It's like, well, the whole point is they shouldn't have to come to you. They should be able to do things on their own. They want a seat at the table. So there's quite a difference between I want a seat at the table, I'm sitting down, or I'm asking the person on the other side of the table if it's okay if I sit down. That's kind of a different deal. So I'm not – I mean, I'm not saying Ryan Day did anything wrong. He's generally supportive of it, and we have seen other coaches step in it, trying to deal with this stuff. I think – and we've said this many times on this podcast, and I'm not sure anybody out there would disagree with it – Ryan Day is pretty good at this. This kind of thing, relating to players, understanding them, listening to them, encouraging them to do things that they believe are beneficial for themselves, he's got a pretty good feel and handle on that, and and this falls right under that umbrella. I don't know how much of that is generational for him, being a younger guy. I mean, he was a player himself not that long ago, but yeah, I I agree. I think he is – uh, pretty wired into this and seems to have a good um, connection and a good sense of, of where to go with this. And I think it's also one of those things that's inevitable. I, I mean, this is going to happen. There's going to be eventually more representation. The players I think are going to have some kind of a seat at the table in the long run. I think we're, it's incrementally, the progress here is incremental. I, uh, to some people, it probably seems glacial to some extent, but it's going to happen eventually. I think so. It's better for, I think for Ohio state to kind of be out in front of it um, and I think that involves all of these social things. It doesn't mean you have to um, have to, to give in on, on everything and, and um, go against the rest of the Big Ten or the rest of the NCAA. I think you have to walk that line a little bit. But I, I, I think they're taking the right stance by supporting the players and kind of encouraging them to have a voice. And you saw that all, all summer with some of the things that were going on with, with the protests and stuff like that. Ohio State was very much encouraging its players. It wasn't – I mean – Gene Smith did come out and speak very specifically about Black Lives Matter and some other things where he's he's an advocate for those things too. But in general, I thought it was more about, you know, the, these players aren't doing anything wrong by just talking about these things and saying what they feel. And I think that was – I think other players see that. I think other, other schools see that, and I think recruits see that. They see that as a welcoming um, environment for players to come into. I'm bored by this topic now. We're not going to talk about it anymore because Ohio State's handling it pretty well and nothing's changed yet. So until, until there's more news on this, we get, we'll, we'll be done talking about it because I'm ready to talk about football and stuff. So like, I'm interested in the specifics of how they continue to go about this, but I, I think some people are making too big a deal about like how much this is going to change the world and whatever. Like, I, good luck to them. It's a step. I don't think it's a... I don't think everything's going to change overnight as a result. Say, of it's incremental. Stuff. It's it's incremental. It's not, we're not running up to the point of this happening, but I, I just, no. it, you, you can see the wheels turning a little bit. Uh, anything else we need to cover on getting COVID stuff before we get out of here? Are there I, any I other points that you brought up? Run through it mostly. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so we'll keep you guys posted on like what we think is If we forgot happening. anything, we've got another one of these tomorrow. We'll get yeah. to it. This is the Thursday pod, so this is going up later on Thursday. We'll have a Friday pod. It won't be up Friday morning, but we'll figure out what we're going to talk about. Um, appreciate you guys hanging in with us. Try the text at 614-350-3315. We're doing videos on our YouTube channel. We're doing like five-minute. David Anderson, our videographer from Cleveland.com, is cutting up like little five-minute chunks of this podcast we would encourage you to subscribe to our youtube channel because that's where we put other things too when we do have chances to do interviews with players we have the video from ryan day's zoom call and we'll cut up some of that and put it on our youtube channel so you can see ryan day say some of the things it's not gonna be exclusive video everybody on the ohio state beats gonna have access to it but i don't know go to our youtube channel we're in the business of giving other people credit can you come to our is it too much to ask to come to our channel I'm very curious if they're going to have video and it's mostly just Ryan day. Cause we're getting it from Ohio state, or if it's going to be like an array, like the, like a glorified Brady yeah, bunch. We were all there. There were some interesting faces in there. Yeah. I heard someone said, uh, I, I heard I missed it. I bombed off the call and I missed the first question because my computer bombed and I had to get back on. Um, I heard somebody had their shirt off early in the call. One of the reporters. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. So we'll see. It wasn't me. This is a this is an all male uh, reporting group, by the way. So it's not. I mean, ours. There are there are women the, on. They were, were in that. Yeah. They were in that yeah. Zoom room today. I should say. Yeah. Well, there there were some women in there. They just didn't have their videos turned on because they didn't want to have to look at us. A uh, bunch well, of collective. Patrick Murphy has a beard down to his knees, man. It was interesting. Oh man. He's I, uh he's starring in the the remake of castaway it was a uh, it was good because i haven't seen these people i think you've seen them because you play vi- uh, you play poker with them sometimes right but no nobody advice yeah to but that game. um that game we don't have any video we're not we're not live really? we're it's on not a, a zoom call no uh, another one that i'm in i do do that but uh this is just a uh, over poker stars and you're just it's just graphics moving around on a screen this was a little bit like a class reunion it was like who got fat who got thin who (laughs) let their hair grow who went bald because we haven't seen anybody else on the beat since march so anyway try the youtube channel try the text read cleveland.com slash osu drop a review at apple Podcasts. we'll continue to crank out uh buckeye talk for you another one coming friday and i think i might drop a special saturday one because i have this interview kind of that I did that I want to get out there and we're just going to start having stuff to talk about because we're going to start talking to coaches and players and I don't think I need to save it. So probably an extra side Saturday podcast this week. So thanks to you guys for listening on behalf of Nathan. I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye talk. <laughs>